Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at thecrossing.cc. Yeah. Praise God. You can, you can be seated for all of those that were standing. I do appreciate that. It's really not for me. It's because we have blasted off into not just a new year, but a new decade. And uh, I tell you, sometimes we can just become so routine in church that this is just kind of what we do when we're not eating lunch and watching Fox News and sleeping and whatever else you do. And uh, I want you to know there's a, there's a sound coming from heaven, and it's God, and he's being very crystal clear. And if your heart is in any way numbed or routined or not hearing what, God, what the Spirit is saying to this church, he's saying it to his whole church, but he's saying it to this church very specifically, uh, you, you need to hear it. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, an intensity. If you were here last week in our message, I hadn't planned on, that wasn't the plan for the first message, but there's such intensity coming from heaven, and this is what God was saying to you. I am first. Not because I have a fragile ego and I need you to, it's because I'm worthy of being first in everything. I am supreme and superior to all other things. And if you have a Christian faith where there's some kind of mixture, some dual kingdom, where multiple, you take your direction from multiple sources and God's just one of your options, this is not okay with God. That's not okay. And there's, there's a clarity coming from heaven. We sang a song, and I know I'm starting. I should tell a joke or say something about the Titans or something. Uh, but I got so much intensity. Yet You want to know who was singing Waymaker, Miracle Worker? It was the Tennessee Titans last night. Man, oh, man, oh, man. I had a text waiting on my phone from my buddy Jimmy who lives in Nashville. He and my sister-in-law. And uh, he said, what about them Titans? And I thought, what about them? And I, because I didn't think there was a, I mean, you talk about a miracle. Man, I, I looked at the thing and saw that they had beaten the Ravens, and I thought, oh my gosh, it's easier to predict when Jesus is coming than to predict who's going to be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and that's hard. But uh, no, there's a, there's a, so there's your joke. So, but no, there's an intensity that I am sensing when I, when I pray and when I seek God, and, and uh, it, it is a, a, a very clear God is God and uh, to be dealt with in a casual manner. I, I believe there's a, there's a grace by the Spirit of God, so I want you to know there's help for us, but I also believe there's a certain casualness in a, something that's happened that God is not okay with, and he's calling his church to see him as God. I am the Lord, and that is my name, and I will not give my glory to another nor my praise to graven images. I won't share it. The first commandment, have no other gods before me. Have nothing else before me. That's the first commandment. And uh, so th- that intensity continued this last Wednesday. And you guys can open your Bibles to, to 1 Kings 19. My, my wife's been leading all the, the prayer folks uh, or the Bible readers through 1 Kings, 2 Kings. I know they've moved on, but I got curious into 1 Kings, and it, 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 and it brought up our message for Wednesday. Some of you might not have known we had a gathering on Wednesday night. And a good Lord about burnt the building down. There was a visit. We had a visitation from God. And his message to us was, was what we see here in 1 Kings. Actually, we're going to be in 1 Kings this week next, and next week, but we were there Wednesday. It's the story of Elijah, and it's the prophetic message. It's the sound of a prophet. 
It's the sound of a prophet, and I hope that you're hearing the sound of a prophet, not because I am simply prophetic. I am prophetic. It is one of the gifts that God's given me. And hearing his voice and declaring it, it is one of the responsibilities that I have, hosting that gift. But it isn't me I want you to listen to. Don't, don't listen to me. I want... What do you mean you don't understand? What... <laughs> okay, I'm going to get Siri saved here in a second. Cass. Yeah. I'll get to you later. Uh, how many of you just know uh, one of the things that we deal with right now is there's so many stinking distractions coming from stuff just like that. And it's just vying for attention that uh, just to hear the distinct sound of God, I believe it's actually one of the warfares we have is there's so many voices traveling everywhere and opinions that uh, sometimes we assign uh, that that must be God, uh, and, and it's an opinion that didn't come from God. But anyway, w w when, when Elijah, and I want to talk about that because I'm going to set up where we're going to go today, but this, this Wednesday, what the Lord put on my heart was there in 1 Kings where Elijah, the, the, the representative of God, he came to a nation, the nation of Israel, and let me tell you what was going on in the nation of Israel. These were folks that, that, that were, they were practicing the covenant things. They were circumcising their children, and they were going to temple on the Sabbath. They were going through the motions, but they had felt like this is a little bit intolerant to just have one exclusive truth and one exclusive God. And Ahab was the king. Jezebel was his precious and wonderful, lovely wife. And she was a worshiper of Baal, and she had made it her intent to destroy the worship of God as an exclusive. She was killing the prophets, those who represent the voice of God. I want you to pick up who I'm really talking about here today. It was, it, there was an attack on the actual voice of God, and the prophets were being killed in that Christian nation, if you will, and the idea of having one exclusive source of truth was no longer tolerated, and that tolerance was what was worship, and that is that we can have a little bit of Jehovah, a little bit of circumcision for those practicing the covenant, a little bit of Baal, a little bit of Asherah, and this is how we want our nation to be because it seems a little arrogant for the Jehovah worshipers to think that he's the one and only way. Are y'all picking up anything in my tone here? that this was happening in their day, and what God raised up was the sound of a prophet. And the reason that a prophetic voice rises is to say, all of this murky water, we're gonna clear that up. And this Wednesday, we talked a bit about that, and, and uh, Elijah came to the king and said, King, I can stop the weather if I want to by a voice, by a word from God, and he did for three and a half years. And I can start it by the word of a God after three and a half years. And he did. And then he said, get all of Israel together. We're going to settle this matter. And he calls Israel together. They build the two altars again. This is First Kings 19. And all the worshipers of Baal, he said, you guys call down fire on your sacrifice. And if Baal is God, and here's the word on the table today, and this is in this room, this good American evangelical Bible-believing church, I believe the sound is still the same for us. If Baal is God, then serve him wholly. Get after it. Give yourself to that. But if Jehovah God is God, sacrifice every other God and serve him only. 
but stop wrestling between the two. The New Testament uh, version of that would be found in Revelation chapter three where Jesus the prophet, if you will, Jesus the savior and prophetic voice said, look, Laodicean church, I would rather you be hot or cold, be either all for me or all against me, but in the middle you make me sick. I wrestled with that for years as a kid because if you ever went to church camp, you heard that message and you always knew you were lukewarm because you came to the altar. Uh, but anybody else go to that church camp? And every single time. So, and, uh, but, but here's the deal. I used to think, you know, what, what God, I mean, it seems like warm is better than cold, but not to God when you're deserving of exclusive worship. I'd, I'd be like me saying, Stacy, I want to, uh, look, I, I want to be in covenant with you and we're married, but on Thursday nights, could I sleep with other women? I mean, it just seems a little arrogant of you to expect me to just be, you know, singularly devoted to you. When we are lukewarm, that's the insult that we give to God. And you need to know it's not okay. He's not okay with it. He's a gracious, merciful, forgiving God. But of his devotees, he calls us to come and devote our life. And what Elijah did on Mount Carmel was he said, look, not only do I want to see this settled, but God's going to clear this up. And if you've got any wonders as to who God is, well, let's just clear this up. And you guys know the story. Baal worshipers, they spend all day cutting themselves and singing and chanting and do however they do church. And uh, nothing because they were serving some, you know, 48-inch something they had built themselves that they had assigned some meaning to that was nothing more than the power and the philosophy that's in our brain. If God's no bigger than your brain, he's no God at all. It's just you playing God. But they said, look, that, that has no supernatural power. And then, you know, Elijah stacks the sacrifice, dumps water on it, and he says, look, God, that these people might know that you are the one and only God, would you answer by fire? And not only did God answer by fire and take up the sacrifice, he blew the whole altar to pieces and everything around it. And uh, Elijah turned around with his eyes singed and his hair all blown up and said, well, does that clear it up? And I think they were supposed to have turned to one another and says, well, I think I'm clear. I mean, if God answers by fire, I think that's clear. And gang, here's what I want you to know. The prophetic sound that's in the air toward the church, this church, the great church of America, God's not okay with us. All the mixture, all the, yes, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty Jehovah-like. I'm, I'm pretty God-honoring, but, you know, our culture today worships uh, indecisiveness, can't make a decision, can't commit to any one thing because in some ways that's going to offend somebody else. And so there's, there's great walk in neutrality worship. And I want you to know, it isn't the brilliance of humankind that have raised this. This is demonic forces and the spirit of the Antichrist. And if I sound like I'm talking crazy, I am not. I'm just speaking of there's something going on besides just human politics and us pushing and shoving over who ought to be president and all that stuff. There's a spiritual dynamic that is governing and imparting into this nation, and we've become very susceptible, and we've bought this cultural worship of we don't want to be offensive. Here's the thing you can't get away from. I don't want to be offensive. I wish everybody loved me and liked me, and I really mean that, and I lose sleep when one person sends me a bad email, so stop it. <laughs> That's the message in that. But uh, no, I, I, you can't help yourself. I get it. So, uh, but it, 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 here's the deal: we, we, our message is offensive, and if the message of the gospel doesn't offend you, you can't get saved. If it doesn't confront where you're at, if it's kind of like, yeah, that's kind of nice. I'll add that to this and this to that. 
This is not the gospel that saves. And so Elijah came to the church, and I'm saying the prophetic God, the same God, with the same sound is coming to his church in 2020 to say, you know what, we've danced long enough, and I'm sending you a message. Return wholeheartedly to me, or go away, but make a decision. Pastor, this is just so un-American. This doesn't even sound like you. You're like the grace guy. Here's what, grace gives you the opportunity to make a decision, and it makes it easy for you. But don't underestimate. Don't misinterpret that grace means you can serve a little here and a little there. He's still Jesus the King. He's Lord. God is still creator of all and worthy of first place in your life and all things. And I believe some of you have been brought here today because you've been you're dancing in between and trying to appease any and everybody, and you feel like, well, that just looks like what Christians looks like. No, you don't have to be insulting to people or hate anybody, but you do have to be exclusively committed to one God, one and one only God, only one God. He is our source of hope, okay? That was Wednesday night if you missed it, so I just gave you a quick run there. And we had the opportunity, and we did, and I was so proud of this church for responding to the power of the Spirit of God to come and lay ourselves down before a holy God. And that song we sang earlier, whatever is in me that needs to be burned out. Man, I hadn't heard that in so long. When I heard that song, I thought, man, that's such a sweet sound. I hadn't heard holiness. God, make me holy. Hadn't heard it in so long. I thought, man, that's strange. Hadn't heard, Lord, purify me like a refiner's fire. That's like 30 years old, and I realized that didn't, I mean, we hadn't done it, but, but it, it's not old. It's still the sound of God saying, for your sake, I want to purify you. I'm, a, I'm still a refining fire. And so God is calling us, get in or get out, make a decision. This great prophet now, and this brings us to where we're going to be this week. And by the way, in your 37 days book, I don't have one with me. Uh, Stacy, would you hand me that real quick? Is that not the most beautiful transition person right there we've ever just, good Lord, she just, hard as she's distracting, she's so pretty. Uh, but here's the deal. Gang, if you're new with us, we are going through, it's called 37 days. 37 because that's, uh, that's basically the tithe of the year. Uh, not to be legalistic and not trying to be legalistic. Listen to last week's message. Uh, it's not a legalistic thing. It's just in everything that I can figure out how to do, God, I want you to know you're first. You're first in my time. You're first in my money. You're first in my thoughts. Uh, my, my hope for the nation, my first go-to is not the Republican Party or Fox News. My first go-to is to God Almighty. He's so much more superior than that. I know I just revved up about 10 good emails so far away. Vote, be involved, I'm, I'm for all that. Vote, be involved, have arguments, throw stuff at the TV. I do all of that stuff, but I in no way believe that if we load the White House, the Supreme Court, the Senate, and the, the House of Representatives, all with Republicans, that in some way that's gonna save this nation. And I really do believe since we're out here, and I'm already out on a limb, so might as well crank it up to 20 emails. I really do believe, I'm serious. I have a very, 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 I have a deep sense, and I've been wrestling with God. Because I'm not trying to aggravate anybody personally. And again, I want you to know, I throw stuff at the TV and yell and scream and listen to all the stuff. I'm to the right of Limbaugh. So I want you to know, when it comes to politics, they matter. 
But I have seen the evangelical church start to say, you know what, we're giving up on God because we really believe that if we get just the right amount of people and get our side, if you will, and I know everybody in here is not Republican, but Republican, Democrat, whoever you've put your hope in, if it's superior to God, and you're not being honest with yourself, we, we are insulting God, and I feel an offense that I believe is from him to say, tell my church, their hope is not in a new president. Their hope is in God. Their hope is in a savior. All right, so that's probably 25 emails. So y'all, enjoy. I don't read them till Tuesday, though, and I don't respond to them if they're long. Because I, I can't pay attention that long. It's good to have a short attention span. It's like, I get what you're saying. You're mad at me. Okay. Uh, but this is what this brings us to. Elijah had a sound a bit like that to say, look, make a decision as to who your God is and where you're gonna place your hope and then go all in. And I believe there's something powerful waiting this nation when the remnant, the church says, you know what, I'm all in, I'm all in. And that's what's on the table. This great prophet now, he did this. And uh, he, he preached and I believe that Elijah, and by the way, so in, in your book this week, we're gonna be uh, looking at the, the second part of our mission, which is to find freedom. Everybody say, find freedom. find freedom. Our mission goes like this. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. This is the continual lifestyle of a believer, continually getting to know God and continuing to pursue him, continuing to find freedom. I'll explain that. Uh, finding purpose, discovering purpose. Why did God put you on this planet? And then get out there and hit somebody. That's a football stick. Get out there and make a difference. That, I believe, is the call of the believer. And, and this week, in our, our time of devotion, we're gonna be looking at what it means to find freedom. There's something in the, the book of James. Don't turn there, and I didn't give it to our guys, so don't panic back there in the, the, the video, guys. But James chapter five, there's this, there's, this little, there's this little caveat piece of scripture that when I get to heaven, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go hunt James down and say, James, you have no idea how, how thankful I am that you put this in here. He's talking about prayer and how, man, if you, have, if you have need, prayer is powerful. And the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man gets a lot done. Yeah. Don't underestimate yeah. this season of prayer. And then he says this, and this is what I love. He, he basically says this. He says, you know, Elijah, the great prayer warrior, the guy that prayed and the, and the, and the weather stopped and he prayed again and the weather started again. You know, that guy, the, the one that prayed and fire came down from heaven, this superhero, this iconic Old Testament, you know, picture of a prophet, James says this way. James, he said, Elijah was as ordinary and human as anybody else, just like you and me. Oh, oh, I can't tell. When I see that, I go, oh, yeah, yeah, no superheroes. God doesn't need superheroes. He doesn't use them. God works supernaturally through the most natural, normal human, in, in his case, a Hebrew redneck, just a plain old guy out there that he said, I'm going to use him. Today, I want you to see, though, Elijah was as human as you and me, all right? So Elijah does all these great things, destroys the prophets of Baal, tells Ahab, you know, what needs to happen. And then Jezebel gets angry because she's killed hundreds and hundreds of prophets already. And she sends a messenger to Elijah and says, Elijah, 
I'm sending my boys, and when they find you, they're going to kill you. And if that doesn't happen, it'll happen to me, because so help me, before I die, I'm going to kill you. And for some reason, this caught Elijah, again, a plain old human like you and me. It caught him in a way that says that Elijah was afraid, and he ran away. And here's what he said. I'd rather be dead than exist right now. The pressure and the discouragement and the depression and the weight of this calling, I can't bear it anymore. I'm done with it. And he says to God, God, just kill me. Remember when Moses prayed that prayer? God, just kill me. Uh, I want you to know, this pastor, this might shock you, there's been times I've been driving on that highway. I want you to hear something. Now, don't be shocked. Life is hard, and when you came to Christ and you accepted the call of God on your life, somebody may have prepped you a little bit to say, it's going to be just wonderful and awesome, and God's going to solve all your problems. You're never going to have money issues again, and your wife's going to seem just almost as normal as you and all of that. They might have told you something that just isn't true, and I want you to hear the truth here. As a believer... A born-again believer, spirit-filled, Bible-believing, listening to the right people and all of that, you're going to have days when you're winning and days when it feels like you're losing. You're going to see people, you're going to pray for things and see things happen. You're going to pray for things you think God, you got God painted in a corner and it's not going to happen. You're going to be extremely disappointed. It's going to be people close to you die. Ecclesiastes spells it out. There's a time for war. There's a time for peace. There's a time to celebrate. There's a time to cry. There's a time for living and there's a time of death. And gang, it's, it, this, it rains on the just and on the unjust. Uh, there's a time when things are, you know, you're getting on her nerves and she's getting on yours and you think, oh my God, this is the devil. It's not the devil. It's normal. It's just plain old life. And I want you to know this was a man of God called, anointed, empowered, backed, and had a, a resume like none other. And here's the thing. I love this section because it just lets you know He's just plain man, and he got down. What happened was uh, uh, Elijah got this word, and he got afraid. He became afraid, and here's what he began. He started processing something in his mind, and here's what he thought. You know what? In fact, he tells God, uh, let me just jump into it. So, so 1 Kings 19, verse 9 Elijah has gone out into the desert, asked to die. God responds by sending an angel. Okay, you can read this for yourself. I'm just cutting the, cutting the quick here. Sends an angel, gives him a, a, a little cake, bakes a cake, lets him eat it. He sleeps again, bakes another one for him, lets him eat that. And then he, said, and then he went in the strength of that food from heaven, if you will, 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai. Everybody say Sinai. Okay, that's going to be important here in a second. And he goes to there, and it says, this is verse 9 of Kings, 1 Kings 19. says, and there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? So he said, I've been very zealous of the Lord of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword and I alone am left and they, they, all of them, seek to take my life. Okay, so here's my question for you today for question number one, point number one, what are you doing here? 
where are you at? I mean, what God was asking him was, you're my prophet. I mean, you've seen me work on your behalf. You just killed nearly 800 total prophets. I just called down fire from heaven. I'm not mad at you. But before we get started, I need to know, where do you think you're at? And here's what I believe. Here's what he says. God, I've been very zealous for you. Lord, I'm one of the good guys. Meaning, because of that, I'm one of the good. I expected you to cover me, and I don't think you have. I'm disappointed in you. Anybody ever been disappointed in God? It's okay to say it. He knows anyway, whether you raise your hand or not. I certainly have. And it comes from expecting him to do something or thinking he ought to act in a certain way or more times than not, thinking he ought to protect you from, the, from just the decisions and the people that are around you. And this is what happened. What I really believe, and by the way, check this out. Elijah says, I've been very zealous for you. Uh, I'm one of the good guys. In other words, man, I've worked as hard as I know. I've been as faithful as I know how to be. I've given ministry, and this is what I believe he was thinking. Israel should have carried me out on their shoulders after calling down fire from heaven. I mean, come on. That's a big deal. But he gets word not from all of Israel. Okay, this is what I want you to hear. He didn't get a word from all of Israel. He got a word from the nastiest woman we know in the Bible. Literally, she has the reputation of being the sorriest human there what? Everybody here, talk, we're gonna talk about the Jezebel spirit. When somebody says that, man, they're not being kind to you. You got a Jezebel spirit. One of my sons, anyway, I won't get into it. Yeah, he jokes about that a lot, and it's funny. But uh, I've been in church way too long. But anytime somebody says you got a Jezebel spirit, there's a legitimate spirit of Jezebel. It is an intimidating, fear-implanting, ministry-stealing a ministry mocking, calling mocking thing, and it's very real, and he's dealing with the real thing. But this is what I want you to see, the power of it. He says, they, all of Israel, has turned against me, and I am all alone. Here's what I want you to know. This is, he's telling God where he's at. God, here's where I'm at. Everybody hates me. Everybody's against me. I mean, what about all those people who said, wait a minute, I'm convinced, and those that said, no, we believe God is God, we'll follow him. What happened to them? Here's what happens. You ever had this happen? Sometimes you can have one person say something to you that's critical, uh, or you, you take it the wrong way, or whatever. And, and listen, gang, you, you're, looking at, you're looking at the icon of somebody who wrestles, has wrestled with this all of my life. You can't be in ministry and not deal with this. And any pastor that tells you differently, he, his besetting sin is lying. <laughs> no, we, we all deal with this. I remember one time, I was right, right here after a great service. I mean, the place was packed. The service was packed, and God had moved. It was similar to the Wednesday night service. God had moved, and there was a line of probably 10 people waiting to speak to me, and they were saying, man, what God did here this morning. It was fantastic. It was amazing. I was like, hallelujah, that's so great. And the next, and the next, and the next. And I saw a lady, and uh, bless her heart. I, just, just, I don't know how to say this. She, she was the queen of negativity. Her spiritual gift was negative. 
And uh, I saw her in line, and it was taking you know, 15 minutes for her to get down. And so I'm thinking, man, praise God, even she was touched today. And um, <laughs> man, we're talking, and people are eh, praise God, and this and that, and this and that. And she gets to me, and she's like this. <sighs> on the second song, on the second chorus, there was a word misspelled. <laughs> I'm not joking. That's exactly what she said. And I'm going to contact whoever. I'm like, well, you're telling the pastor. That's pretty good. And, you know, can I, listen, can I just, when I got in my car, do you know that I wasn't thinking about what a powerful service we just had? I wasn't thinking about, man, drop the microphone. God showed up and cleaned up the house. All those lives that said, look what God did. I get in my car. It is so easy. That's why I relate to Elijah. I can get one email after five great ones. And the one challenging one, I'll get in my car and go, they all hate me. They all, you know, I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I'm quitting all of them. They don't appreciate that. And they don't. Can anybody relate to this? I just want you to know the power of a word spoken that has the backing that confronts the call of God on you, if it, catch, if it catches you at the right time. I believe the issue with Elijah was he, he was ripe because he's done all these things in, in church life, and you can relate it to, to your world, but after 30 years of church life, we have these events sometimes where we spend, uh, kidding me already? Uh, we have these events. That's my cue to start winding it down, and I haven't even kicked the football. Bottom line is we have these events that we start in August and we spend months and months and months preparing for these events. And then the day of them, they last about an hour, like the Christmas stuff. And man, when you get done with one of those and you've worked for all of these months and then they're, and then they're just over and you're driving home and go, that's it? There's a little bit of depression like, oh, we worked so hard and it went so fast. I mean, it was good, but there's a little depression after every time you do a big event or something. I believe Elijah was just at that point where he's like, man, I just, man, I, I gave it all I got, and this is the things I get. And so God asked him, where are you at? And here's the question I got for you. Are you here today, and have you given up? Have you quit? Man, when I was at church camp, I got a call from God, and I was so fired up, and I went, and I did this, and this, and this, and then I figured out that church is just kind of routine, and then I, and now it's just kind of lost its fire, and I'm going through the motions, and I'm not saying this sarcastically. I know it could sound like it, and I can be sarcastic, and please, Lord, help me. I mean this gently. Where are you today? Where are you? Have you, are you sitting on the sidelines when you know you're called? Have you turned your back on God because you prayed for something, it didn't happen, you're disappointed, and, and now, and I've done all these things, so I'm not, I'm just saying. The right question from heaven is this, where are you? Where are you at today? You'll have to answer that. Uh, the real answer, you know, Elijah was saying, I didn't get enough credit, and those people don't like me, and everybody hates me, and everybody wants to kill me. He just, all this, and I, he really believed that in his head. I know what that's like. I just want to die. I'm sick of this pressure. I'm sick of trying. Give it my best shot, and this is the thanks I get. And it, it was just one email. Jezebel's. It's one email. Anybody relate to that? The truth was this. What happened was a, a word got planted. One word from one person of the devil. And it was powerful enough to interrupt all of his thinking. This man of God, I am so grateful for James going, he's just plain old redneck, just like everybody else, just plain old guy. 
ordinary like us. It's what Elijah felt. I've been faithful for a long time. I've really given it my best. They all hate me. I'm tired of trying. I don't see any fruit from doing all this. Why am I even doing this anymore? And that put him on the sideline. Instead of just saying, I'm just insecure, God. The truth is, she said that, and it's just killing me, and I've got something inside of me. I'm just afraid, and I'm tired. Sometimes just be honest with God, and it'll, it'll move the football quicker. So here's God's response to him. It's God's response to you, 1 Kings 19, 11 says, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. I've preached this section, I don't know how many times I've read this, maybe hundreds of times. I never saw that. The Lord passed by. I'm gonna come back and get that one. The Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, the earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it said... So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood in the entrance of the cave, and suddenly a voice came to him and said again, what are you doing here, Elijah? The Lord was not in the fire, but the Lord was in that still, small voice, and God was communicating something to Elijah. He asked him again, what are you doing here? Now, here's what I want you to to see. I'd never seen that little passage there that said the Lord passed by. The Lord passed by. Does that remind you of anything else, you Bible folks? Does that remind you of another passage in the Bible where Moses, do you know why, you know that that, uh, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights by the direction of the Lord to a particular mountain? You want to know what mountain that is? Same mountain, Sinai. Do you know who was in that mountain sometime before? Because God was up on top of that mountain, shaking it, and with fire and with thunder was speaking to Israel, you guys better get it together, and you better back away from this mountain, or I'm going to open the whole earth and swallow all of you up because I'm mad at you for worshiping another God. You remember that? That was all bubbling over that same mountain. And Moses, the intercessor, went up that mountain and interceded for them and saved their lives. But then he, he, pushed, he pushed God a little further, and he said this, God, if I have found favor with you, show me your glory. And here's what God said, Moses, I've been waiting for somebody to ask that. Peculiar you say that, and here's what he said. There is a way. Remember, he said, no, no man can see my face and live, but I think I can work something out. And this is what he said, there is a place by me There's a place by me, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm gonna put my hand over you, because if you saw all of my glory, it'd blow you up, you couldn't survive it. But when I pass by, I'm gonna show you a glimpse of my glory, enough that you can handle, and what I portion out for you to see, Moses, I'm gonna put you in there, uh, just because I want you to know, one, I respect that you wanna be close to me. And number two, I want to give you a glimpse of of my glory. And it says this, his goodness passed by. All of his goodness passed by. Do you know when Elijah, I used to preach this message very sarcastically because I I would preach it like God was upset with Elijah, like, Elijah, I'm so strong, and why would you doubt and all that? And I sounded, anyway, sarcastic. 
man, I saw something here. I saw the gentleness of God saying, Elijah, I know you're tired, and I know you've put it out on, on the field, and I know you didn't get the response that you thought, and I know you think I've let you down. I want you to come to my living room. I want you to sit in my lap. I want, I want to help you. There's a place by me. There's a cleft of the rock. Some years ago, one of your buddies, I brought him up into this same daddy's chair, and I comforted him. I'm not saying it's the same cave, the same cleft. I don't know. It just it wouldn't surprise me, but I can't prove it. I'm just saying for some reason, Mount Sinai was the meeting place of God, and he went there. And then he speaks to him after saying, in essence, saying, hey, come up in this cleft. I'm going to show you a piece of my glory. I'm going to give you a glimpse. He passes the fire, the thunder, and all of that stuff, and then it, he shows up in a still small voice, and I know I'm on the clock here, so I'm going to just bottom line it. I believe what he was saying to Elijah is, Elijah, you would never doubt if I showed up in fire because you're used to me showing up in fire and it's all spectacular and you'd go, wow, that's God. And if I showed up in an earthquake and did something really spectacular and showed up, you would go, wow, that's God. And if I showed up and I shook the whole world, you'd go, woo, that's God because you're a prophet and you're used to calling down fire and stopping weather and all that. But I want you to know something. With a, with a simple little breeze that came by, in a still, small voice, he was saying this, in the very natural and normal and quiet of your day, there's as much power and the backing of heaven is absolutely the same when you hear me whisper as to when you hear me shout. And when I whisper, you're okay, you got this. In other words, when you're here and here and you're worshiping with everybody and you're just going, whoo, man, isn't the glory of God here? And you were here Wednesday night and we were all here in the altars and the, the power of God was moving. You'd go, wow, wasn't that awesome? God, you were so there. And God would say to you when you're up in the morning and you're drinking your coffee and you get in your car and there's nothing happening and your brain hasn't even kicked in and you're just quietly driving to work and it's just quiet and there's just a little tiny pondering. You need to know. That little voice has the same authority as if I were shaking mountains, burning things down, or catching things on fire. The same authority is in that voice, and you need to know I'm whispering to you right now, but don't disregard it. You got this. And then he gives him a direction. In essence, here's what he was saying. Let's go back and rehearse what it is I've called you to do. 1 Kings 19.15 says, Then the Lord said to him, Go return to your way to the wilderness, to Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael, king of Syria, also anoint Jehu of Nimshi over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Saphat, and on and on and on. Anoint him as prophet in your place, and it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. And in essence, what he was saying with that 7,000 was, I know you feel alone. You are not alone, Bubba. You're not alone. There's always a remnant. My team's big, and we're going to win this thing. Well, what he was saying was, Elijah, my call and assignment to you, my glimpse of my glory, the call for your, you during your lifetime is to defeat Ahab, as the evil king of Israel, get rid of him and all his knucklehead sons. Get that nastiness out of my kingdom and destroy Baal worship. Okay, that's the, that's the assignment on your life for Israel. Okay, that's your assignment. And when he was saying, anoint Haziel, the king of Syria, not an Israeli king, the king of Syria, who would actually come and defeat Israel eventually. 
anoint him, anoint Jehu, the next king of Israel, and anoint Elisha. What he was saying was, you know, Haziel's going to kill a whole bunch of Ahab and Ahabness, and Jehu's going to kill a whole bunch of Baal worship. And Elisha's going to take your place because you're not going to die. You don't know that yet, but you're just going to get like a, an uber black up, <laughs> up, to, up to heaven. And, and then Elisha's going to do twice as much as you did. All he was saying was, look, the deal is still on. Your calling is still sure. The power and authority to do what I called you to do when you're calling down fire from heaven, you're still there to take away the work of Ahab, you still have authority over her and, his, and, and, and the ugly wife and all that. You, you still have all that authority still you, and I want you to get back up, and he gave him next steps. I want you to get back in there and get, get I was going to say it this, get out there and hit somebody. Get back on the field, strap on that helmet, and get back to work. Let's get back to work. Again, I, I bring you this and uh, cut, cut, left a lot on the cutting room floor because, one, I, I believe there's a, a couple of types of people better in here. And, and one of it would be, and I'll just say this the way I believe the Lord spoke it to me. One would be, uh, folks, and here's my question, are you feeling intimidated about your calling? What God's called you to? Are you sensing intimidation about your calling? Intimidated by natural enemy? Are the spirit of Jezebel intimidating, mocking, belittling? Are you intimidated there's a practical, as you go into this week's uh, devos, there's a practical thing that you have some responsibility for to get free. Freedom is a choice, okay? Now, don't feel shame or guilt on this because it's still hard, but I want you to know you've got more control than you think you do. The, the scripture says this, uh, Jezebel came and she was a controlling personality. And when we speak of the spirit of Jezebel, it does exactly the same thing. And I know some of you are thinking, man, this is getting weird and spooky. It's, it's, it's more normal than you think. A Jezebel spirit is a man or a woman who carry in their personality the ability to walk into your life. And what they do is they actually cross boundaries of, of, of your control and they just start trying to control something about you that they think ought to be different than, than it is. They're a forward personality. A lot of them are bold. A lot of them are very confident people. But what, they, what I have found them to be in my own life, you can't be a pastor and not deal with the Jezebel spirit. And what that really means is you got all kinds of people wanting to vote on your calling and what you should be doing, what you can't be doing, how you should be doing it. You got all that going on and the right personality can come in and traffic over your border, okay, over your boundary and be impose control. Now, you know you're starting to face a spirit if you have somebody, a personality who is trying to control you. Everybody tracking with me? Could be husband, could be wife. Could be dad, could be mom, and if you're under 21, dad and mom's still okay. As long as they're paying the bills, I would say it's still okay. Uh, but sometimes there's a personality, I've had them in this church, come and they start to intimidate, and here's what I, when I'm dealing with a strong personality who's going, you shouldn't do this, you should do this, we shouldn't be doing life groups this way, you should do life groups that way, blah, 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 blah. What they're doing and what I have found them to be is situationally ignorant. 
Some of them aren't evil people. They just are so stinking arrogant. They presume if you would just do your life the way I see it should be done, you would be fine. And I'm not okay until you do. What they don't understand is there's a demonic spirit trafficking on their, their thoughts. I'm not saying they're possessed. Demonic thoughts, they travel in thoughts. Your battle is not with people, it's with thoughts. Right. Thought cycles. Right. And it traffics in. And it comes past, if I could, if I could just, okay, so. All right. I'm marking this spot. See that? There's a line right here. Okay, this is a square, okay? This is my life, and those are my borders. It's my boundaries. Seeing that? Here's what you need to know about this little space right here and your life. God has given me ownership of everything in here. To have a life is a wonderful thing. You can call it stewardship, whatever language you need to use to be comfortable. But the, the point is, you've got ownership to do with your life all or anything you want to do. It's a powerful thing that God's given you. And because of this, you control the borders. You control them. God's given you control of the borders. Allie, come here. And this is not Allie. What but if Allie steps into my world and starts trying to rule this, I can get mad at Allie. I can cuss Allie. Or I can just start to be intimidated and think, well, maybe I don't know what to do with this. Or maybe I'm not called. Or maybe she's right and all of that. Now, you can step out now. Thank you, Allie. Give Allie a hand. Again, this is not Allison. But controllers... Here's what they do. They cross into where you're in control and make you think you're not in charge. Isn't it interesting what God, what Jesus, how he defined offenses toward people? Trespasses, right? You, whoa, you've trespassed. You know, God, forgive me, my trespasses, as I forgive those who trespass against me. Now, here's something you need to know about what's going on in your world. And this is why, this is why God never said to Elijah, Elijah, I'm going to beat up Jezebel. She's a punk. I'm mad too. I'm offended with you. He didn't say anything about what he was going to do to Jezebel. He just said, Elijah, I want you to take back control of what I've called Elijah to do and I want you to move your skinny hips one foot at a time back into the game. And I want you to receive my encouragement. And I want you to know you can come and sit in daddy's lap anytime you want to. And I want you to know all you have to do is listen for the slightest whisper. And if you hear it's me, you go. Yeah. Now, it's interesting. One of the fruits of the Spirit is not other control. Thank you. Yes. It's self-control. Yes, we think of it as not. Yeah, it's not. You know, sinning when we're tempting. We, we think of it that way. It's far greater than that. You have control of all of these boundaries. And because you don't have other control, all of you type A's that want to, you know, march into every situation, and I know all type A's aren't this way. Some of you are type B, C's, and D's. doesn't matter. Whatever type you are, 
But some of us in this room, you, you, you are blind to how much you trespass on other people's lives because you're so confident if they would just do what you tell them to do, you don't know what kind of damage you're doing. You need to take a deep breath before you come in and manage situations. Listen, if somebody hasn't invited you across the line, you ask permission and no is okay. My counselors do not choose me. You can't be in church work without having people line up from all directions and get emails from all directions, and I'm not offended by it. Please hear me. I'm not, but I'm just telling you, any line of work where you're leading, you're going to have people that come to you to say, you ought to do this, and you shouldn't have done this, you shouldn't have done this, and I try to extract the data, but here's the deal. I've had people try to self-appoint themselves my counselor. I have control of this, and I get to say, I love you but you're not my counselor, and I don't say it to their face, I just know in here, I've been given responsibility for, for this territory. It's mine, to control, to have self-control. I choose my counselors, those who I will invite in to give me counsel. What Satan is going to be sure to do, if you're here today and you're offended, and offended all the time, it's because, honestly, you're confused about where you start and where you end. So here's what we're going to be doing this week. God, uh, Scripture just came to me. Uh, David said, your lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. You're not your borders. And I would say this. God has defined you, and you have full control. It's interesting. I've got to do this. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know if there's any good football on that you're missing already. I think you came to the early service, so you knew this could happen. <laughs> Second Timothy says, this is why I re- uh, remind you to fan the flames of your spiritual gift. This is Paul, this is Paul talking to Timothy because Timothy was down. And he didn't say, I'm going to do it. He said, Timothy, you do it. Right. You do it. Yeah. Right. Fan those flames, the ones that, you know, when I laid my hands on you, for God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity but of power, love, and what's that last one? Sound mind mind or self-discipline. In in other words, I've given you authority to dismiss any other spirit. I'm not saying you're not gonna feel fear, but I'm saying you've got the authority to dismiss its influence from your mind. You can take your thoughts captive. Pastor, is this easy? I mean, shouldn't I just pray and it happens? No, that's not gonna happen. You're gonna have to forcefully establish the boundaries and you don't have to hate people and be mad at them say get your fat self out of my boundary you don't have to get all angry and insulting to the people who are just ignorant of where the boundaries are but on the inside of yourself you can say to them thank you for your comment but on the inside you have to take that thought captive quick or it'll get in here and it'll start saying you know I think they're right you know you probably really aren't called you really should listen to them And that's how the spirit of Jezebel, the intimidating you out of your calling, that's how it happens. And what God would say to you is, I'm not going to get mad at them and join you in your offense against them. I want to strengthen you to strengthen your borders. Because you have self-control. I've given you a spirit of self-discipline. And you can rid yourself. Pastor, it's going to happen quick. Is it a quick prayer? It's a lifestyle. I am constantly emptying 
the intimidating, questioning things toward my calling, I'm constantly emptying it. But I have discovered all the people I've been mad at all of my life, I have discovered God, them changing, if I'm waiting for them to change, for me to be okay, I'm gonna die frustrated and insecure. But if I figure out there's another way, I'm in charge of this. Healing's a choice, and I say this with all gentleness. I say it with all gentleness. Get in the word of God and get the truth. That's what you're gonna be doing this week. Find the truth. Pick it up and start slashing and dashing. And if there's, one more thing. Break the thought cycles that are bringing you down. You'll notice every time that God asked him, I think it was three times in the whole passage, why are you here? Remember what he said? He said the same thing every time. I've been zealous for the Lord, and nobody likes me, and I gave it all I got, and nobody wants me, and I'm here, and I just want to die, and you've let me down. He rehearsed that speech. Do you know why he was able to say it the same way three times? Because for 40 days and 40 nights, he was rehearsing it. I've been zealous for the Lord, just going over and over and over and over. And when those thought cycles get going inside of you, what you're doing is you're letting something else control and come out with a, it's like saying two plus two is five, two plus two is five, two plus two is five. You've got something else putting your equation and your answer together that's not true. That's why we need to get into the Bible and to begin to rehearse. Can't tell you how often there's certain scripture I rehearse when I'm sitting up here every single time. I say this, the spirit of the living God is upon me. He has anointed me. I rehearse it to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty those who are in captivity. I just rehearse it. I rehearse it because everything in me wants to say, who are you? And you're just silly. And you're just, who are you to get up there and tell anybody? All that stuff comes to me. And here's what I've learned. Those aren't my thoughts. Those aren't his thoughts. I have control as to whether to keep those or throw them away. And I'm getting better. I haven't arrived. But I'm getting better at locating those thoughts and going, you know what? That's within my purview. God has given me self-control. He's given me a spirit of self-discipline. I can take these thoughts captive, and I reject the message in those. Gang, what I'm describing to you, salvation gets your spirit heaven ready, but you still got this body that's got all these memories and all this conditioning and all this stuff inside your world that creates bondage and inhibits your ability to do what God's called you to do, and it intimidates you out of it. This week, we're going to go to war to clean up our boundaries. And anything that's in there, not, you don't have to be mad at people. Any intimidation toward the call of God on your life, let's go on a hunt and figure out where did it come from, what's cycling in your mind, and what are the new thought cycles we need to get into. All right? Practical, practical. Okay, prayer teams to the front. Everybody on your feet. For every discouraged, disillusioned, depressed In here today, I want to pray for you, Father, in the name of Jesus. You have not given us a spirit of confusion, of depression, of disillusionment, or discouragement. Nonetheless, those spirits come. They're still there, but they just didn't come from you. And if they've not come from you, they're not allowed in my sphere. They're trespassing. Father, right now, for the person that is in a genuine battle against depression, I thank you that the power of God for them is stronger and louder than the discouraging, intimidating non-truths are against them. 
I just speak a healing to those that are dealing with depression. Lord, I know it comes, it can be chemical, it can be so many things that are complicated, but I thank you that nothing's too complicated for you. I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, heal the depressed and encourage them, Lord. Father, for the ministry gifts that are in this room that have gotten intimidated out of activity, prematurely sidelined because of fear and there's not enough votes for them from people who shouldn't be allowed to vote. Fear has gotten planted. I break the power of that and I speak as you spoke to Elijah. God loves you. You're still his. And the same authority that's in the fire is in the still small voice. And you have the full backing of heaven to push anything out of your control, anything out of your boundary, you have the authority to push it out. You can take every thought captive and bring it to Jesus and make it bow down. God, I just pray for a strength to start to rise up in those that have been discouraged out of the call of God on their life and that new fire would start to burn and new confidence would start to burn and new warring ability that you would teach us, Lord, as we dismantle from these thoughts. Teach us how to teach others to do it. In the name of Jesus, I break this, the power of fear and the power of intimidation off of lives. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, these things we bring to you in Jesus' name. Lord, anybody that is struggling in mixture today, half in, half out, God, I pray that by your, your spirit and your grace and your conviction, that you would cause them to say, I am all in. I'm all in, going all in. God, I'm all yours again. Father, I speak that over individuals now in the name of Jesus, you are dealing in this church. Love and honor you, Father. Lord, our final act of worship is in the bringing of our tithes, our offerings, all of our financial gifts. And Lord, it is such a pleasure to make you first in my finances. And many of us here will be bringing, saying, this is my first and my best. God, receive it as an act of worship and as a declaration, you are God over my money. You are God and you're Lord over every aspect of my life. Bless the giving and the offerings in uh, these lives and these financial lives. Give us a great day as we leave here now in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Find more of our podcasts on iTunes or in our audio library at thecrossing.cc.